0: digitaljamsessions.com. Hello and welcome to this Digital Jam Session. We're coming at you live from the Virtual Reality Show here in the Business Design Centre in London and we're joined today by Afsal from the DSC which you're going to explain exactly what that means in just one moment. We also have Chris from Innovation Crush. So I'm going to start with you Afsal, why don't you explain exactly what those letters mean? DSC?
1: So the DSC is the Defence Solutions Centre. It's actually the UK Defence Solutions Centre. <laughs> what we're actually about, though, we're an organisation that's been set up between government and industry, uh, specifically to look at innovation and how we can pull through technologies from SMEs, hence why we're here at the VR show today. Look at technologies that could be potentially used within defence, and then link SMEs up with some of the uh, larger players in defence to look at how they, how they could exploit. Their innovation.
0: Okay, and Chris, what well, it? He has it.
2: the most pleasant voice. I don't know if I can
0: like. <laughs> I don't know if
2: I can match that. And, and uh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> now, so Innovation Crush is a, a is a series kind of focused on innovation, and we look at innovation all uh, all from different angles. So it could be military, it could be the arts, it could be you know AR. And you know, over the course of the past three years, we've interviewed 150 different innovators mm-hmm. so use the quotation marks but actually haven't explored military yet so this is going to be an exciting like little dialogue
0: oh, okay good one so i'm gonna uh, apologize to our lovely listeners for the sound of drilling that will be <laughs> going on throughout as i mentioned we're here at a show so <laughs> haven't got that out of the way what I did want to do was just really briefly talk about the conversation that we were having earlier, Afsal, mm. around the perception from other industries when it comes to the defence industry and working with the defence industry. There are some folk, you know, I remember posting on Facebook and mm. saying something about the DSC or the DSTL and saying, "Oh, you know, there's there's some interesting opportunities to, to collaborate." And people were just like, I literally got avalanche people were going, "But why would I do this? Why would I want to work with militaries? You know, I've got morals. I've got I've got boundaries. I, I won't work with." defence And I was just like. Yeah, okay. I'm kind of curious as to to your thoughts on on how you would explain that to people.
1: So as we were talking about earlier on the show floor, we're not all about killing people or dropping (laughs) hot metal on people and inflicting pain. In fact, a lot of what we do in the military is all about operational preparedness. Mm -hmm. It's about training. It's about rehearsing things before you do things on there. Yes, there are the, the sharp end of, of what the military does, but that's really as a last resort these days. We use so many different techniques and ways of influencing and using oh, no. other techniques that are non-kinetic effects, with kinetic effect being a bomb <laughs> or something on there. And really, it's all about training personnel. We have the best armed forces, forces in the UK in my opinion, sorry. (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Or the UK Armed Forces are the best. And a lot of that is down to the training uh, that we deliver. We don't have huge budgets to deliver the training, so the uh, the training that we do deliver is very high quality. So coming back to your original point, Yes, at the at the sharp end, there is the warfighting that we do. Mm-hmm. But most of the day-to-day operations that we do and the support that we provide has nothing to do with that. It's mm-hmm. around logistics. It's around training. It's about preparedness rather than warfighting.
0: Okay. So, as somebody who isn't in the defence industry, Chris, <laughs> I'm curious from your perspective.
1: Only self defence. <laughs>
0: How you would would see that interaction with the defense industry in terms of what would be your first thought if you were going to engage with somebody from the defense industries? What would be the first logical thought for you? I
2: think the the first word that comes to mind for me is advanced, mm-hmm. right and And I think you know I, I think a lot of advanced technologies or advanced training methodologies or whatever you know what have you eventually start to make their way to other sectors, right? And mm-hmm. you know you think about the internet itself was mm-hmm. a tool a governmental tool and now look what it's done. Mm -hmm. Same thing with VR. You know, I I think the earlier days was about exploration and and industry. And now we're looking at like entertainment and journalism and, Mm -hmm. you know, even PTSD treatment in Mm -hmm. in some cases. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about immediately. Yes, I think there's an air of like, ooh, the military is Mm -hmm. like, you know, advanced military sounds scary. But when you think about it from whatever a broader application might be, Mm -hmm. I think you, you then you start to have a propensity to like Maybe listen up a little bit more intently.
0: Okay. So here's the thing, and, and I, I know that we talked about this earlier, but I kind of want to bring this back up again, which is this idea that there's an awful lot of people who are diving into the immersive industries and VR specifically. And I only mention this because you, Chris just mentioned VR, but there's a lot of people who dive into this and that their first thought is that it's it's a new industry mm-hmm. and that VR means goggles or a headset on your head. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the type of work, the, the military have been doing in this space. You've been doing this for an awfully long time. I mean, 15 years at least.
1: Yes, uh, at at least 15 years, if not longer. We didn't call it VR. We didn't call it AR back then. We called it synthetic wrapper. So that was where we were actually using synthetically or computer-generated imagery or entities and overlaying that on a warfighter or commander's screen or into his binoculars and things and really using it for training opportunities Mm. so it costs a lot of money to fly an aircraft around on a training mission isn't that something that could be replaced with a synthetic entity mm. being overlaid? You can then go through all your tactics, techniques and procedures, how the forward air controller would talk to the guy in the aircraft, mm. do all of your command and control on there. So yes, we have been users of immersive technologies for quite a while, and specifically in the training domain, heavy mm-hmm. users of it actually.
0: Okay. So here's the thing that I'm kind of interested in. Bearing in mind that you've been in this industry for an awfully long time, you've been dabbling in techniques and technology for an awfully long time. What I'm kind of curious about is the other industries who've also been doing that. Because if we go back to the kind of like the the ghost era, if you like a second phase of VR where it was primarily kind of, you know, Disney, NASA, Mm -hmm. military who were really investing the R&D money. I'm kind of curious what other industry or other verticals that you feel have interesting lessons to share Mm -hmm. in terms of technology or or methodologies that can be applied to what you're doing with synthetic worlds or VR or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it within the defense. Because as a example, there's a lot of people who, when they're having these conversations around new projects around VR or what they're going to do next won't really think about inviting other industries to that table, whether that's immersive theatre or, mm-hmm. you know, planetariums or theme park industries, who mm-hmm. actually have been doing this for an awfully long time and they've got a lot of interesting technology and techniques that they could be offering to the table. And I'm curious, Chris, from your perspective, coming at this from the outside looking mm-hmm. in, whether or not there are any specific kind of verticals or industries where you're thinking, you know what, well, actually, I think they could really have something interesting to offer to somebody like the defense industry.
2: I mean, uh, you know, uh, an experience I had recently was at the Gatorade Combine. You know, Gatorade put together a training facility that used VR, used motion technology, and this was, like, for consumers. Mm. But they were able to immerse consumers in what Gatorade is like, really advancing into sports tech, training athletes, you, you know, through VR, you got to be the quarterback and choose whether you're going to pass or run. Mm-hmm. You know, uh a field goal you had a motion sensor where you would jump and it would tell you how much pressure or power you had in your legs uh, or your upper body and where your weight was distributed Mm -hmm. and then you know as a consumer it's interesting because you can look at like brand and learn from brand about how they use it to excite engage Think about another guy who's a friend of mine named Dan Goods, who's NASA's artist in residence, mm-hmm. right? And his job is to turn NASA's really high, you know, highfalutin, you know, <laughs> uh, science concepts into art exhibitions, mm-hmm. right? But he also works with some of the astronauts on defining what their missions are, because they all have to pitch, and they're mm-hmm. pitching like these five, ten-year missions, mm-hmm. and so. But they're nerdy science geeks, just like you would think about hardcore military people who really want to g- get something out of a soldier, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, but using the techniques that are maybe a little bit softer that, are, that can be applied or I mean I love the, the fact that you add art to science uh, you know for a mission to Mars mm-hmm. right and also taxpayers now know where their, their dollars are going because they get to experience it in some really cool way mm-hmm. so I look at those sorts of industries I'm always like I'm in the habit of pulling principles from other mm-hmm. industries I'm like oh how could this apply here mm-hmm. so I think it's just being in the mindset as well it's just mm-hmm. like what does apply especially how you started the conversation which mm-hmm. is you know, there's a perception, you immediately kind of veer away from it. But actually, if you pay attention, there's going to be something that applies to you in your your day-to-day life.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: What about you? Well, uh, I think in a similar vein, I mean, coming to events like this or, or connecting with networks outside of defense adds a lot to what we can bring in. It gives us awareness. So, I mean, even working, you would think it's bizarre, but even looking at what the fashion industry is doing, what creative industry is doing, how can we port that technology? How can we leverage that into some of the applications that we're using in defense? A lot of the time we need to go out to different networks uh, who have new ideas, new innovations, and are also more agile in turning these ideas around. Using game-based technology, for example, the the, the cost base has really come down. This Mm -hmm. is consumer-level technology almost. Uh, We laugh about it, call it throwaway technology now, Mm -hmm. the sort of Price sets that some of these immersive technologies have come down to. But I think it's the way that other areas actually approach these problems, how they visualize data, how they use data within there. There's always something that we can learn from that. And then coming in through an organization like the UK DSC, we're able to foster that sort of ecosystem almost with these different entrepreneurs or almost innovators, expose them to some of the defense requirements, and then start seeing how could their innovations work within there, mm-hmm. and how can we support them with the, the defence primes or through government mm-hmm. actually helping them mature their concepts into some sort of product that could be exploited.
0: Okay, so here's the thing, there's an mm-hmm. awful lot of people who are kind of entering into the the industry or, or kind of start spinning up something new, starting up, you know, they're, they're young, they're hungry, mm-hmm. they're very small companies. And, you know, when they're, they're thinking about how to engage with an industry like the defence industry, mm-hmm be the kind of first step that you would you tell them to take? Because obviously a lot of these people, they're, they're at such an early stage, they're not really ready for it. But they mm. might have like interesting hardware or interesting software solutions that they've never even contemplated the possibilities mm. when it comes to the benefits that it could have for the defense industry. I think the first
2: step is a, a background check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your background checks. Yeah, well, some of the things in cyber, you've got to uh, <laughs> negate some of those background checks right. uh, on there as well. But um, so... What I would say is you have to understand the market that you're entering. It's different to fast-paced markets. It's different to high-tech markets in certain respects there. To obviously engage with people that can give you access to some of the stakeholders, some of the users of the technology. UK Army is very open in terms of people coming to them, pitching ideas. They have structured days where you can do all of that. But once you've done that, it's often how do you bring your product to market in a time that is quick enough for an SME? That's notoriously difficult to do at the moment in defence. We're working hard with uh, the procurement agencies, with users to make requirements agile so that you can respond quickly against them. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's understand the landscape that you're coming into and the, uh, the barriers that are there mm-hmm. as well. Connect with people, uh, with organisations like ourselves not just ourselves, but some of the larger defence companies have their own innovation cells, which support SMEs through there as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, look online at the Defence Contracts Bulletin. We'll give you some ideas of the upcoming uh, requirements that are coming out there. Mm-hmm. But it's really to understand what you're letting yourself into okay. and how you can be supported through that. And often that's an SME can't do that on their own. And they do need to collaborate around there.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm curious, Chris, from your perspective, obviously it's slightly different when you're looking at like from a defense industry side of the fence. But I think from your side of the fence, I'm curious how you would advise somebody who is that small startup that's mm. trying to deal with these big corporations or these big bureaucratic processes, how you would advise somebody who is perhaps inexperienced or doesn't have the right infrastructure to be able to deliver on these big you know, project initiation documents or whatever it may be. What would be your advice? I think
2: it's, I mean, if given that circumstance, I think about start small. I do a lot of work with startups. Mm. I'm on the South by Southwest Accelerator Advisory Board, the White House's Global Entrepreneurship Summit, and like looked at a lot of different startups and how they collaborate with brands or big corporations. And it's always either, uh, a couple of things. One is start with something small, like don't come in and, you know, kind of pitch all these additional capabilities, kind of laser focus Mm -hmm. in on that one thing that you think is gonna be of most value. Two is, you know, you have to put your empathy hat on. And also I think that empathy is kind of what you were saying, like absorb the brand, absorb the entity that you're talking to, but also do some of the creative heavy lifting. Because a lot of people aren't going to make the connection right away. So sometimes it's like, here's five ways I think we might be able to work together. Mm -hmm. And don't just say like, we have this, we want to talk to you. You know, I think you probably don't have time to, like, go there and, like, bra- sit and brainstorm with them and come up with with mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think those are probably the two, like, main points. And I think the creative exercise also helps you to just get outside your own comfort zone and really explore where your technology or your tool or even if you have an analog innovation, yeah. you, how it might apply. It's just kind of like it's it's a fun exercise to do, to just like, oh, what what mm-hmm. if what, what would this look like if it existed in the military environment? Mm -hmm. What would it look like if it existed in education Mm -hmm. or in the nonprofit sector? And I think you start to uncover different opportunities, Mm -hmm. you know. uh, So, But I I think it's good to, when you do knock on that door, just be informed and have at least a couple of thought starters.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I think the connecting of dots and kind of painting the picture for people is universal. Mm -hmm. And third okay don't
2: expect a big payday <laughs> you know yeah. i think that's the other thing It's like i think people hear like oh uk def- uh, oh, yeah, yeah all right big money this, this, big money this only cost you half a million dollars on yeah.
1: this one
2: but i think because uh, yeah. I, do, I do a lot of that work and it's like yeah. oh they have so many brands that they work with mm-hmm. and it's uh, suddenly your your eyes turn green yeah but really think about your own growth trajectory
0: okay so as always we like to give our listeners a way to be able to find out a little bit more about you and what you're up to we ask you to do that by sharing with us your social media handle of choice or a relevant website <laughs> because I was like I can't do that I can't do that uh, no, I don't do social media we're not
1: allowed
0: to do that social media it's not, not, not permitted out, what would be the URL you would like to share with us after?
1: so uh, for certain security constraints we don't use social media too much within the work that I do but certainly at www.ukdsc.org as a good starting place into our organisation That will then put you in contact with our communities of interest around certain technology areas or themes. And then we can do that engagement and we can start linking you up with um, stakeholders. And if you've got a proof of concept demonstrator uh, or any sort of evidence that your innovation is good, we can use that as well. And and we can start to showcase it. UKDSC is all about getting that innovation uh, through and giving support to frontline users on there.
0: Awesome. Okay, and Chris?
1: So you haven't started recruiting on Tinder yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, please
2: apply. Actually, McDonald's was doing job applications, 10-second job applications on, on Tinder. Not that, uh-huh. that it's the same for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's the same at all. Okay. Um, no. have for a your listeners are going to be like, what was that episode? <laughs> uh, what would be your, your so preferred
0: choice? My you?
2: last name is Denson. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my Twitter handle is Densonology.
0: Oh, I like that. The study it. of
2: myself because I'm so self-centered. D-N-S-O-N-O-L-O-G-Y. That's Twitter and um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Or just go to thecrush.co.co. So that's where you can find all the innovation, Crush stuff, other things I've been up to. And um, yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you enjoy this content, don't forget to subscribe and review and follow us on Twitter at DigitalJamLTD. DigitalJamSessions.com.